Hey, Cameron. Uh, yes, who's calling? It's me, Duty. Oh, I thought I heard the call of Duty. Yeah, I'm here to talk about Region Unlocked Season 3. Yeah! Hey, 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 everyone, and welcome back to Region Unlocked Season 3. I'm here with my awesome friend, Cameron. Hi, Cameron. How's it going? It's going awesome. Oh, fantastic. That's awesomely fantastic. And we're here to talk about the wonderful uh, stuff that involves nerdiness and gaming culture like we usually do um, with our cool perk. We're basically on the other side of the world doing this. Yeah. So I, I suppose that is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not here, which makes nope. me sad. I, I'm there in spirit or um, electronically in a in a sense. <laughs> so today is May 30th and 31st, 2021. Jake, before we dive into gaming goodness, have you been playing anything besides what we talked about last week? Oh, have I been playing anything? That's usually all I do with my life. Otherwise, I wouldn't be so into this podcast. So, uh, yeah, I actually just yesterday. No, no, no. Yeah, it was yesterday. I bought Resident Evil 2 on PS4. Oh, you did? Yeah, I know. I'm so happy. I thought I'd wait and tell tell you that on the podcast. That way (laughs) it would make a genuine surprise. Good. So, uh, How far in are you? uh, I'm in the police station. Well, um as of now and i've gotten to the i guess the west side of the building just kind of walking around still okay uh didn't get too far in but i have been playing it Um, so i guess i don't remember location wise very well but yeah can you tell me like what's the scariest thing you've encountered so far oh the scariest thing i've encountered it has not gone beyond just zombies roaming around i've gotten one medallion that i put into the statue if that gives you any context yeah i think that makes sense dude that Mm. game is so good i know i talked about this at length back when i first played it Mm -hmm. and it's the atmosphere of the police station is so cool and it's Mm -hmm. so creepy and what do you think about just like the whole survivalness of it compared to resident evil 4 i like it better it's more suited to my style because I like survival stuff. And I was really blown away, no pun intended, by the first few <laughs> the shots of this game. zombies are blown away. Yeah, Not exactly. <laughs> um, I was just uh, blown away by the first few shots of this game. Like you talked about the graphics. I was shocked. This was not a, you know, this wasn't just like a remapping, a retexture mm-hmm. mapping. This was a completely new game. Mm-hmm. The, the gore is beautiful. And I know that sounds really weird, but it's so realistic. And the people look realistic, too, in a way I didn't expect. So that was really exciting to witness. But it's fun so far. And I like the same mechanic of Resident Evil 4, the whole over-the-shoulder thing. Yeah. It it was nice to sort of bring that back and be like, hey, I'm playing as Leon again 15 years later, doing the same thing. (laughs) So you are playing as Leon. Um, Yes. I, I like his campaign more. And it does send you into doing Claire's campaign afterwards, but I'll give you a a little spoiler here. (laughs) That's kind of disappointing. So they're kind of told when you play through Leon's campaign, you're you're running into Claire. 
mm-hmm. kind of throughout. Yeah. And you think that once you switch to her campaign, you'll be like, oh, now I get to see what she was up to this whole time. Yeah. Kind of like like the Project Ada mission in Resident Evil 4 uh-huh. that was happening yeah. parallel to Leon. That's not the case. Instead, uh-huh. you just kind of play through the same game as Claire. It's some slightly different things happen, but it's okay. like... It's like, this is kind of like an alternate reality where she was just the main character instead. Because it's oh. like, these things don't line up quite right as if they're oh. two parallel stories, which is disappointing. Oh, that is disappointing. Oh, shoot. Now I'm not really looking forward to that as much. <laughs> well, it's it's still fun to replay because there are some slight differences. Uh, the s- puzzles are solved with a, a slightly different solutions. She has different okay. guns. Okay. And... I think at least they both have a different boss fight in it. And then you actually have to beat it as both to see like the final ending. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Another thing I noticed about that game so far is it it is a very Japanese style game. Um, What do you mean? Especially with the, with the narration. How in a Japanese style game, it's it's a very it's very Japanese uh, storytelling style to have the character narrate every single thing, even when there's no one around. Like they oh. talk to themselves a lot. So <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. I haven't really played um, Resident Evil in a while, but that was a characteristic. So bingo. Oh, you yeah. know what? That's a great segue for our next bit. Okay. <laughs> What's our next bit? Our next bit is a small cultural lesson about Japan. What are you going to teach us? Today, I'm going to talk to everyone about gestures. Hand gestures. Okay. Yes. Hand gestures in particular. So, uh, hand gestures in Japan are pretty standard to what most Americans and people in the Western world are used to, but there are some slight differences. So, a few things. For one, if you point to something with Mm -hmm. one finger, it's not a good idea. So... (laughs) Yeah, don't point to other people with one finger. Um, I did not learn that the hard way. It was told to me, just don't do it, so I don't. Okay. And to this day, I will not point with one finger at all <laughs> because it's so ingrained in my head. I use a outstretched hand with my palm facing up. Oh. That's pretty standard. Okay. Yes. So and, why? Why the uh, no one finger? It's considered rude and very direct, like you're oh. calling someone out. That's what I heard. Um, okay. So, there you go. That, that's all I know about it. <laughs> so, if you're in Japan, it's better to not point with one finger. But do an, an outstretched hand. Yeah. Like, upturned palm. Yeah, almost like, yeah, exactly. And just point towards the direction of whatever you need to refer to, or person, I should okay. say. Good to know. Yeah. Also, the word gesture in Japan is the same as English, except <laughs> it's gesture. Gesture. Mm. But it mm. comes from English. Huh. Yep. So how common would you say that is where you've got English words just with a Japanese accent? There's a lot more than you think. Yeah. A heck of a lot more. I couldn't give you an exact number, but you would be surprised how many English words have made it into the Japanese language. Interesting. Yes. And it it just then comes down to a process of learning how to say them in the specific syllabary, the katakana. Mm. So, yeah. Another thing is, usually, 
we're used to pointing our thumbs up if something's right. Mm-hmm. Well, in Japan, that's correct. Right? Yeah. Okay. Good job. Thumbs up. <laughs> same thing. Uh, and also, we're used to saying like, oh, that's not good. Thumbs down. Right? Uh-huh. But in Japan, don't ever walk up to someone and do a thumbs down. I don't think you should ever put a thumbs down in anyone's face. That's just <laughs> <Yeah>. rude. <laughs> oh, definitely. But you should never use it as a symbol of, oh, that's incorrect. Okay, why? Because it's actually kind of a bad gesture. It means like a really bad screw you, basically. So, oh. yeah. Um, instead, I will make an X with my hand to indicate that is incorrect. Interesting. Yes. So, an X with your hand or an X with your fingers. Uh, you can also make a circle with your hands, like a giant circle with your two hands uh, put together. And that means and that no? Means, oh, that means yes. Oh, that means yes. Okay. <laughs> yep, so that correct. makes sense because, you know, heralding back to our PlayStation conversation where yeah. circle is yes, X is no on the yes. Japanese controller. But actually there's controversy because they flipped it on the PS5. I think they, they got rid of that culturally. Oh, snap. I, well, I think. Like, maybe that maybe it flipped. I don't know. But I'm pretty that, sure people were upset that that was going to happen. That's interesting. On my Japanese PS4, it automatically defaulted to X as no and circle as yes. Mm-hmm. But there's an option where you can switch that in the settings. Okay. So this, maybe that's on the PS5. Who yeah, knows? Probably. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> All right. A little bit of a cultural lesson about gesturing in Japan. Cool. Well, thank you. Of course. I mean, doitashimashite. Jake's Japanese lesson jingle! Today, Jake, we are talking about Call of Duty. Call of Duty in general, because there are way too many of them to get very specific here. But it gives us a lot of stuff to talk about. Yes, it's our duty to get through all these. It is. So, um... To give you a quick head count here, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 Call of Duties that are playable on the Xbox 360. So Whoa. in our season three era here, 12 Call of Duties. And you're welcome. We, we can talk beyond those too, because we're not going to talk about Call of Duty again. So <laughs> if yeah. you want to talk about <laughs> some more modern ones, we can do that as well. Okay. We're going to have to, to be honest, because most of what I've played in Call of Duty was not on the Xbox. Well, I, I should say it was a mix between modern ones and Xbox. Ha! Modern ones. That's funny. <laughs> modern that's a warfares. Pun. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, yeah, sounds good. Let's talk about the Xbox games on the 360. And the, all, all Xbox games are on the 360. Well, let's talk about it. The... Okay, we're making a bad joke. Moving on. <laughs> ha! That's funny. You mean the Call of Duty games on the 360? The COD games. Yes. COD games. All right. Let's play some COD games. So you said you've you've got some facts you want to share. Oh, yeah. You want to start with those? Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, get those up here. So um, <laughs> I found some of these really interesting. And like you said, Call of Duty is such a popular game and there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. I've not played half of all the Call of Duty games out there. So uh, Modern Warfare 3, when it came out, it made $775 million in its first five days after release. Now, to give you some perspective here, um, that is more than Avatar, which is the highest grossing film of all time. Okay. Dang. Yeah. Uh, 
And also, in perspective number two, the Call of Duty franchise, it's worth more than Titanic, Avatar, and the Avengers combined, the franchise. That's insane. Yeah, and those are some big franchises. Yeah, and so I will say, to be fair, like, yeah, those are some big franchises. Obviously, you can't compare the cost of a movie ticket Mm -hmm. to a $60 game. Yeah. But, yeah. I wonder how strong that overlap is. Like, how many yeah. people, like, let's just say, people who love Avengers. Uh-huh. How how much of the Avengers fan base also loves Call of Duty? I'm sure it's yeah. a lot. Or yeah. vice versa, you know? I'm sure a lot mm-hmm. of people who play Call of Duty also like superhero movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's crazy, about, though. Think about all the merch associated with um, those big movies as well. Oh, I didn't even think about that. So... I, I guess, um, wow, Call of Duty was pretty dang popular, and it still is. Yeah, that's which is funny, because Call of Duty, for, for so long now, mm-hmm. has been this topic of division, I guess, where people are like, oh, Call of Duty, same game every year. Like, <laughs> why buy this one when there's just going to be another one? And people, they love to bash on it, Yeah, but then they, they buy it anyway. Uh-huh. And I mean, what's your experience been with that? Like, how do you feel about that? Well, I guess people have been doing that with games for a long time, especially with sports games. True. When, when you build enough of a fan base and when something was good enough to start that fan base, people don't let go of their, you know, em- emotional connections that difficult. True. It's, it's you know, they, they stick with it. And somehow Call of Duty must have made that emotional connection with a lot of people. You know, not in a sentimental way, but definitely a gun-toting type way. Yeah, you're right. Especially because yeah. the, the multiplayer, for sure, it mm-hmm. gets, gets people hooked and they don't want to feel left out because you can't continue staying in that multiplayer ecosystem mm-hmm. after the next game comes out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Unless, I'd argue, some somewhere the sequel is so drastically different where... People like like when Modern Warfare versus World at War. I'm sure tons mm-hmm. of people stayed with Modern Warfare because they didn't want to switch to a World War II game, even though they're more or less the exact same multiplayer. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's got to stay uh, continuous. It's got to stay current. Yeah, because that's what everyone's getting. <laughs> huh. um, so here's another one right here. Activision found, and I don't know what the sources are, but they found that players were spending a total of 1900 years playing call of duty every single day (laughs) every day (laughs) yeah so think about that that's like the time span of the roman empire (laughs) yeah Yeah, one day call of duty (laughs) a lot of work hours down the drain heck yeah and yet you still go back to it what was that again 1900 years worth of productivity basically yep 1900 years of cumulative game time (laughs) that's awesome yeah it sure is (laughs) but yeah i'm not spending that much time on it that's for sure i haven't in a long time that's for sure (laughs) oh yeah so um ah here's another one okay so there is a research paper that states that people between the ages of 18 and 25 who played Call of Duty have faster decision-making skills. That's a big topic you just brought up, I feel yeah. like. How does video games translate to real life? 
And mm-hmm. I definitely understand that decision-making because Call of Duty is quick. That multiplayer, mm-hmm. like, very... It's the definition of a Twitch-based shooter, right? You've got to be on your toes and be able to process what is happening around you. So, yeah, I think if you are an idiot, you're going to die like an idiot constantly. And so, yeah, people who are good at that game are going to be quicker to make those decisions in real life. It's just now, it feels like the public is starting to come to terms with the fact that video games are not as bad as they were initially meant or, uh, you know, made out to be. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a random question just to think about. We, we attribute a lot of like brain development and retention to reading. You, mm-hmm. If you read a lot in life, that keeps your, your mind fresh. And like my great-grandma, uh, Mimi, she died at 101, I want to say. And she credited a lot. Like she was still with it up until the end. And she's because she read all the time mm-hmm. and like kept her mind active. And I think people who read a lot have always kind of like held on to that. They're like, yeah, Re- and not to say anything bad about reading because reading is great. Yeah. But it's just interesting because, you know, books have been around forever. Video games have been around since the 70s. Yeah. Well, kind of, you know, in the mainstream sense. So we don't really know what that long-term benefit could be. Mm-hmm. Like with all of our awesome story games and stuff. I mean, cause what's really the difference between a good story game and reading a book? Well, just, uh, one's more physically visual. Yeah. So will we have a better mental capacity as we get older because of it? It's a really good question to think about. I hope so. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> we're, we're banking on this cause <laughs> we've put so much of our lives into video games already. So let's, let's hope. Why yeah. not? I mean, honestly, I think the only difference I could think of is maybe it's going to hurt my vision more looking Mm. at a screen in the long run. But the difference between playing through all of Mass Effect versus maybe reading the novelization of Mass Effect. Yeah. I'm more engaged in the game. Yeah. My mind is more immersed. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, okay. Here's something else to think about in that same topic. Um, So if you're reading a book... You're staring at something. I mean, you're not actively staring at one spot. Your your eyes are moving, mm-hmm. but it's the same distance the entire time. With video games, you at least get the illusion of depth perception. True. So your eyes have to adjust accordingly in that regard, or maybe the game does this, it for you. Yeah, I think the game does for you. But still, it's not just the same distance. Oh, it is actually. It's the same distance for a long period of time. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't that, know. Th- that's I will right say, there. <laughs> I will say, like two days ago, I sped run through Resident Evil 8, beat it in like two hours, 45 minutes. And playing it on PC on a 32-inch monitor, so I'm sitting pretty dang close. And then on a PC, you can sure whip the camera around a lot faster. Mm-hmm. I felt slightly nauseous the whole time I was speed running through that. I think mostly because I'm just like whipping all over the place and just like constantly sprinting. And the, the vision thing did not work out well in that circumstance. Oof. And that's when I would tell you, Cameron, go read a book. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Reading's great. I love reading. I'm writing a book right now. Yeah, well, you need to 
get on it because I've been hearing about this for two years, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't wanna, worry. It's, it's in progress. <laughs> we should, you know what we should do is once it's done, we put a little pause on Region Unlocked and then have you just record the audiobook and we'll put that out instead. Oh, interesting. That's an interesting idea. I could be a voice. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I should write this in script format. That's what I'm used to. Do it. Hey, I've got one more fact for you for Call okay. of Duty. There is, get this, a okay. teddy bear in every single game. Really? Yes. So I can obviously connect that to zombies because mm-hmm. they show up in the, the loot boxes, but where else are we seeing it? Uh, just levels. Huh. Yep. Okay. Bingo, right there. <laughs> <laughs> There's cool. a teddy bear. Next time I play it, I'll keep an eye out. Excellent. So, Jake, which Call of Duties were you most engaged with? I was most engaged with Call of Duty 3. Oh. Yeah. That was the first one I really played in great length. Okay. Call of Duty World at War and Call of Duty Black Ops. Those are my three games that I played in significant amounts. What about you? Uh, Similar, I'd say just World at War and Black Ops, and then a little bit of Black Ops 2. So it's interesting you say three, Mm -hmm. because I feel like four is what brought Call of Duty into the main mainstream, right? Mm -hmm. For Modern Warfare. One, two, three were all World War II shooters. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure three, well, I guess they all showed up on the 360. Uh, they mm-hmm. might have been, I don't remember if some of them were just backwards compatible or not. But I know, I think like two or three was a launch title. Because yeah. I remember playing that at Target and I was like, oh, this looks so good. Look at the smoke from this grenade. It's so pretty. <laughs> yeah. So what did you like about three? Because I feel like just, you know, not not enough people really cared about it then. Three was great for me because it was the first game that I played that was a first-person shooter that was kind of next-gen. Prior Mm -hmm. to that, I had only played um, like last-gen games. Uh, So at the time, I was really into World War II. I still am. I love history. Mm -hmm. But I had only played Medal of Honor at that point on GameCube and PS2. So after I heard about Call of Duty 3 coming out and it was getting these awesome reviews and it looked gorgeous. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I played it at uh, GameStop or something, but I saw a lot of screenshots in Game Informer because that was my link to the outside world. (laughs) I decided to get it. Why not? And I played it first on the Wii. Gross. I didn't know any better. Yeah, it was gross. <laughs> Looking back, I didn't know any better. I thought, oh, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, this is next gen. No, the graphics really aren't anything special at all. No, no, they're not. But what was really nice was the control scheme. It worked really well with the motion controls and oh. the aiming worked nice. And it just, it felt so immersive doing that whole, I am moving around. I'm actually in the battle kind of thing. So that's yeah. when I got hooked on Call of Duty in that regard. Uh, did you ever play three actually not in length okay well it was good at the time (laughs) yeah (laughs) what about your first kind of experience with call of duty all right so after three four was announced and okay obviously 
Four comes yeah. after three. It's <laughs> called Modern Warfare. And so I remember the weird hype and confusion I had around this because let me do a quick date check here. So Modern Warfare came out in November 5th, 2007. And Halo 3 came out September 25th, 2007. So pretty much around the exact same time. And obviously I was a diehard Halo fanboy at this point. I only bought my 360 for Halo 2 at the time. And actually, let me tell you a quick tangent that I forgot (laughs) to tell during the 360 episode. Okay. Is when I bought my 360 the the only game i got was halo 2 an xbox okay. game and i remember we went uh, is me and my friend cal we went to walmart and i was 16 at the time and i like i go to the guy i'm like hey can you grab a uh, halo 2 out of the case there and it's like please don't id me please don't id me it's halo everyone plays halo he's like all right i need to see your id and i I didn't even know what to do, so I just showed it to him. He's like, oh, you're 16. Like, ah, gosh dang it. So we we stood around Walmart forever, and and then Cal recognized an upperclassman who worked there. He's uh-huh. like, hey, can you buy this for us? And so, yes, she once she got off her shift, she went and bought me Halo 2. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, uh, pointless <laughs> tangent there. But So I played that for a while, and so I was very excited for Halo 3. And then to see that Call of Duty is now all of a sudden modern, which was very different for them, and it was just getting all this big excitement for it, and even had like this multiplayer beta that came out. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. I only care about the Halo 3 beta. Now you're telling me this game is getting a beta, and I just kind of saw it as a threat. Because again, us fanboys, we get we see things as threats for no reason. <laughs> but that was kind of the end of it. I knew it did really well, but I never actually played it too much in its heyday. I did rent it a few times, I think, or borrow it, and loved the multiplayer. Played quite a bit of it, but where I really got into it was at World at War. Mm. So, World at War basically. Uh, mimicked the exact same multiplayer experience Mm -hmm. down to the entire interface looks exactly the same just you know different levels older guns that's pretty much it Mm -hmm. it it played exactly the same uh and and then threw in some tanks right in some Mm -hmm. levels and i played that a lot so this was pretty exciting because all my friends had world at war so we were all able to constantly talk about it, and quite a few Fridays after school, we'd all just take our Xboxes and TVs to one person's living room, and then all get in one match together, and just like steamroll. Because when you're all in the same room and you can coordinate, it's it's pretty easy to dominate. Yeah, to- totally. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So you said you played a lot of World at War. Yes, but it was on the Wii. Oh, Gosh! Yep. Yep, you're late to the 360 game. (laughs) Very, very late, sadly. Nice pun there, late to the 360 game. (laughs) So, uh, it's too bad that the Wii didn't do better with shooters, just because that's like the closest console experience to PC aiming that you could get. Uh But it was just, you know, running on a 
a potato. So <laughs> no one cared. Running on a potato. Graphically, that is absolutely true. Sadly, it should have been a better experience, and I really wish it was. At the time, it was amazing because that's all I knew. But looking back, the motion controls for it were really fun, yeah. actually. And they worked really well with Call of Duty. It was kind of an afterthought because, you know, this game is made for the big consoles at the time. But it worked, and <laughs> somehow it was great. And that's what got me so into it. But the Wii version only had the levels for the campaign. The no multiplayer, multiplayer. Uh, it, it had multiplayer, but it was very limited. Like oh. you only have a few players. And I don't know if it was, um, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you honestly if it was uh, like online or hot seat or what. It might have been just split screen. Mm. But all you could really do was the campaign to have a super amount of fun on it. So I remember at one point I came over to your house. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And this is where you showed me um, World at War on the 360. Not really sure when it was, if it was during your time when you were really enjoying it or not. Yeah. But that is when you introduced me to zombies. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, which we've probably got some stories to tell there, don't we? Yeah, probably. So let's uh, hold off on zombies for a few minutes. So you said you played Black Ops as well. I played Black Ops that and two, mm -hmm. and there's probably not too much more detail we can go in there. So mm -hmm. let, let's talk about the multiplayer as a whole. Okay. So which one did you actually spend time in multiplayer? The one that I spent time with in multiplayer was, um, it had to have been Black Ops 3. Oh, on PS4. Okay. Yeah. Well, I did play multiplayer on the 360 mm -hmm. on Zombies quite a bit with okay. uh, Black Ops, but it was with Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's fine. So I'm, you know, because they're all similar. Now, Black uh -huh. Ops 3 did add in some superpowers and stuff. Yeah. And got very, like, futuristic. Mm -hmm. But as a whole, what is it that you like about the way multiplayer works in Call of Duty? It's being um, social. The ability sure. to talk to people, whether they're sitting next to you or on a headset. Okay. That's what I loved. And it was a way that us friends could get together after a long day of school and have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about gameplay mechanics? Gameplay mechanics? It felt a lot smoother than other... <laughs> Uh, uh, shooters like everything sure. seems so fast paced that's the only thing that's coming to mind right now like it was so fast definitely a benefit of a yearly entry is it it fine tunes it for mm -hmm. the most part I'd say I really like the the quick kill time where mm -hmm. you, it doesn't take too long to, to down someone if they don't see you you win right mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to Halo where you can get some pretty long duels of emptying clips into each other and meleeing, and it's a bit more, I don't know, tedious in Halo. It, it, Traditional. It, it, it comes down to who knows the map and who's controlling those power weapons, right? Mm -hmm. While Modern Warfare, or I guess Call of Duty in general, it can make you feel strong just by your reaction time, and that, and that was it. Yeah. And kind of sure how you played the map, but more importantly, just the gratification you got from building killstreaks. So 
I think building kill streaks was something that was really cool and getting into calling artillery strikes or helicopter or as more and more games started adding more options for things mm-hmm. that you could do getting the attack dogs in, in world at war mm-hmm. is all so cool yeah and <clears throat> i think just like you said the quickness the, the fast pace and i think the customization where yes as you continue to level up you unlock more customization and, and unlockables, but that doesn't necessarily make you better than mm-hmm. someone at level one. It really just comes down to how you play it. And yeah. it's just, it was a very addictive gameplay loop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just on and on. Now that you mentioned that, it's it's quite cool to think about how at this point we're like, okay, if someone gets shot, they're going to die in like two hits. Let's make yeah, it realistic. Exactly. That's kind of the way it was. First-person shooters prior to this were all like, oh, yeah, let's empty a clip on someone, hit them 10 times. Maybe maybe they'll die, maybe they won't, even if they're <laughs> just a basic human with no armor. That's what we knew up to this point. And right. I think that addictive gameplay loop comes from the fact that, like, oh, I'm better than this. Come on, come on, keep going, keep going. You know, because mm-hmm. if you die really fast, what are you going to want to do? Get right back up and charge and kill the person that got you. Yeah. That's what makes it addictive. I remember that clearly now. Holy cow. <laughs> but yeah, everyone's evenly matched in that regard. You know, it's not about the gear that you get. It's how you use it. Yeah. It, it, you build it to meet your play style. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty neat. Sure was. Sure. It, it sure is. <laughs> You brought up zombies. Yes. Zombies originated in World at War. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of just stuck to the Treyarch games for a while, I believe. They were in Black Ops and Black Ops 2. And then I think they just started making their way into pretty much every Call of Duty game. Just because mm-hmm. it was so iconic. Tell us about it. Oh, zombies. Zombies is a survival mode that started kind of as an afterthought, right? Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a separate game type, like, oh, let's have some fun with it. But it turned into a phenomenon that got really popular. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a survival type where you've got this level and it's, you're stuck in this level and a death is guaranteed, Mm -hmm. but it's about how long you can survive these waves of zombies. And through each wave, quote unquote, the zombies come in uh, through different areas of this house that you're in they break through windows and stuff and it's up to you to either block these windows off to slow them down um get these guns that are in different parts of the house of different styles and types and essentially make your way around the house while avoiding the zombies to stay alive Mm -hmm. as you shoot them dead each wave gets progressively harder okay and the first zombies uh on world at war gets very hard very fast and it's very unforgiving (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's the basic of it right there yeah zombies it, it's basically the first horde mode type game i can think of i feel like zombies really inspired quite a few games to add in this like firefight survivalist mode where it's just upgrade as you go survive as long as you can mm-hmm. um, because then halo 3 odst added in that firefight mode and then 
Gears of War had it and so on where survivalist mode some games are just that Mm -hmm. it all originated with what really feels like it was just an easter egg at -hmm. first because the one in world at war it's just a standard it's just a bunker in a once larger multiplayer level they've just isolated this bunker it's not that big it's just like three rooms you can open up and killed nazi zombies and yep it's chaotic and hilarious and stresses me out yeah <laughs> it's stressful <laughs> anytime i'd play zombies i i feel like i've only ever got one round in me because yeah. you put in all this time and then at the end you're white knuckling it uh-huh. as you try to fight till the death and then it's all over and then whoever you're playing with is like all right try again it's like no no that took us 45 minutes just to die it's like i need a break give me an hour and then maybe i'll hop back in but (laughs) i could i could never do multiple sessions in a row of that because it just stressed me out so much gotcha it's tough it is stressful it is a type of stress though that i bank on that 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 was addictive to me like every yeah. time i'd finish around with someone i'd be the one saying can we go again <laughs> <laughs> like i got one more in me we can be better this time it's all about how many waves you survive even though a death is guaranteed mm-hmm. but oh my gosh it was so fun i love that style of game and yeah. like i don't know why but <laughs> you introduced me to that yeah that was uh <laughs> that was it yeah and so as they went on like i said that first one was pretty basic they started getting more and more complex mm-hmm. where tons of rooms to explore uh traps to activate mm-hmm. uh, super power-ups to find things like that and then even more recently it's got like full-on zombie campaigns and yes. stuff that i haven't touched because i haven't played a, a recent call of duty in a very long time uh-huh but it has just really taken on this the shape of its own and for some people it's the only reason they even play call of duty is because Mm -hmm. of how complex zombies mode has gotten yeah i was actually playing it yesterday and on modern warfare no no on black ops 3 Mm -hmm. um, i'm not sure about other ones but the there's zombie campaign mode yes but there's also no 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 no. it's (laughs) it's call of duty world war 2 Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, it, on that, the zombie campaign mode is a level. In, it, it's it's a it's the zombie mode, but it's finite. If that makes sense, like you can't. Like there's a goal. It. Yeah, there's a goal, and that's See, what I makes like it so that. fun. I would like that more to be mm-hmm. working towards something besides death. Yeah, and you can have up to four people in it, but it's extremely long, yeah. and. The good thing about that is it's a little more forgiving. You can get a lot more hits from zombies, even without any power-ups, before you die. Okay. And the weapons do more damage. Like, they usually don't in the older Call of Duty games. Yeah, or they get, a, you know, a lot weaker as the rounds go on. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun. At least the more common, or the more modern ones, no pun intended, are um, more exciting. Yeah, and as they've got more modern, they've started putting actors into them <laughs> to like model these characters after and to voice them. So um, I forget which one, but 
Oh, I think Black Ops 3, you get to play as Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is in Call of Duty. <laughs> I better magic some bullets out of thin air. I may not have enough bullets to survive this. A few more shots, that's all I've got. Jeez, I'm running low. I could really use some luck right now. In a minute, I'm going to have to resort to using this gun as a club. Um, what, what's that clicking sound? I'm more than a little vulnerable. Uh, this gun... It's no longer loaded. Has anybody seen any cases of ammunition around here? Uh, this is getting desperate. Hey, will somebody please uh, give me some ammo? And isn't uh, yep. Ron Perlman in it as well? Yep. That's hilarious. <laughs> it is kind of funny listening to them. <laughs> oh, okay. So that actually reminds me. So let's back up. In Black Ops, for one, Black Ops, is that where the theme came from? The zombie the theme? theme? Abracadaver? Uh, I want to say yes, because that's the first time in, I heard it. Or was it in World at War? I think it was in World, World at War. I think it was. Okay, let me check. Okay, so I just found it says that the theme, Abracadaver. Now, okay, I might be wrong. So maybe they just already had the theme, and then people wrote songs based off of that. It says is a musical Easter egg in... The eighth Black Ops Zombies map, Ascension. Okay, so it, so Abracadaver must just be like a cover, or at least it's like it features the zombies theme as a track. Anyway, I completely lost my train of thought. What we were just talking about. Black Ops. So, Black Ops kind of, they fleshed it out more. This was basically the sequel to Zombies. and ha, Fleshed it out more. <laughs> and it had some it good levels. It had a ton of DLC levels as well. But more importantly, it had the level 5. And 5 was so weirdly awesome. <laughs> it features characters from the campaign specifically... John F. Kennedy, Fidel Castro, Richard Nixon, and Robert McNamara, the Secretary of Defense, <laughs> starts off with this, you know, this amazing cutscene of JFK giving his speech, and then zombies show up, and he's just like, "Ah, zombies, we're prepared for this." Like, doesn't phase him at all. <laughs> Lock and load, and you play through this bunker in what the pentagon or the white house or something yep um it's somewhere in dc yeah and so random but wonderful <laughs> it really is and it was amazing to play for the first time which was again with you you introduced nice. this to me and as as is usual what you would do is you would just like start it up and you kind of like get your presentational mode on like kind of advertise everything this is this this is that and of course, I'm just sitting there uh, entranced. <laughs> and as we were playing through this, you would like go through all the different bits like, oh, this is what happens here. And if you do this, this is what happens here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we did play this together. And I don't know how far we got, but I just remember like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. This is really cool. I want to start playing this now. But nice. that was zombies round number two. The, the first the first round that we played together was on World at War. 
Oh, the classic. And it was cool. the same kind of thing. You showed everything to me, and it was entrancing. Like, whoa, <laughs> I like this. That was what really got me started on zombies, to be honest. Um, the first, I like uh, it. The first one on World at War. So Cool. Well, Jake, how about to wrap it up, let's look back across all of the Call of Duties we've played and just kind of bring up some of the standout moments. What was... The really cool stuff. Now, obviously, there was a lot. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty, as it went on, tried to get more and more cinematic and put like these big action set pieces in them. And I don't remember a ton of them. And I didn't play the more the later ones. I think the the late no, that's not true. I was going to say the latest one I played was Modern Warfare Three. I did rent Modern Warfare Three and then just sent it back before even finishing the campaign because I was bored with it. But anyway. <laughs> So uh, what are some of the big moments you're going to talk about? Big moment number one comes from playing Call of Duty at GameStop for the first time on their Display 360. It was probably my first taste of Call of Duty, but I did not know it was Call of Duty. I thought it was some random game. Because of that, it probably saved my respect for the franchise because I didn't know what it was. (laughs) So I started playing it, and it was beautiful, right? Okay, Uh this game's amazing, like you just said, but... Someone must have set it to like the hardest mode because every time I stood up, I got shot (laughs) and I'm trying to do something. And I thought this game sucks. I hate this game. It's too hard. I can't do anything. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like this game ever. And I got really, really angry. So it wasn't until a lot later, I realized I was playing Call of Duty. So at the time I hated it. (laughs) Well, for me, campaign wise, the first mm-hmm. one that comes to my mind, and probably to a lot of people, is All Gillied Up from Modern Warfare, which is a mission where you are covered in camouflage, and you're like pr- going prone through a field and sniping people, and it's just this really cool break from the action to be stealthy, and everyone loved it. Thought it was the coolest mission ever. Have you even played this? I have not, but that does sound kind of cool. <laughs> stealth missions. I love stealth missions. Yeah, I do too. Stealth games are a lot of fun. If they're mm-hmm. done right. Yeah. And so then on the subject of Modern Warfare, the ending I thought was pretty crazy because you have to you go into like slow motion and you're like dying, you're like bleeding out on a bridge and you shoot the bad guy, like you pull out your pistol. Mm-hmm. And then as I describe it or think about it, it's like, oh, that actually isn't that cool in retrospect. And it's because they really really started to amp them up mm-hmm. to get these crazy endings and modern warfare 2 specifically that ending has you and uh what's the main mustache guy's name mm. price captain price you're like fight you're like beating down the bad guy or something and he stabs you in the chest and as he, you're bleeding out, dying, he's like on top of Price, like beating the crap out of him. You look down and slowly start t- tapping A real quick or something and pull the knife out of your own chest. And he looks over at you just in time for you to whip it into his eye. And oh. it's like, it's so intense. I'll, I'll send you a link to it after this. Snap. So then each game just tried to like one up itself with its ending in yeah. those action scenes. Okay. Huh. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty epic. <laughs> what a fight. 
I gotta say for me, the next one has to be aiming down the reticle for the first time. Okay. But actually aiming down the reticle. <laughs> what do you mean? Prior to the Call of Duty franchise coming out, all guns did not aim down the reticle. Your eye didn't automatically go to look down it. Yeah. It would just zoom the screen in, but like you'd be looking over the gun, not actually down the reticle to, to huh. aim. That's Call a good of Duty point. was the it was the first game to actually do that. And it seems, looking back, very practical. Mm-hmm. Why hadn't games done that before? <laughs> but I was excited to, and it made me really like Call of Duty. Yeah, that's a cool point. It was specifically an MP40 SMG. On, I was, okay. I was, it was uh, <laughs> Call of Duty 3, I remember, that mm-hmm. exact moment. Like, this is perfect. I can actually aim now, and it looks real. Nice. Yes. Uh, the next moment is the mission called Vendetta on World at War. Okay. I think it's it's the first mission you play as the Russians, I believe. It's yeah. where you meet Viktor Reznov. Yeah. And I feel like it was trying to emulate the all gillied up feeling uh-huh. of Modern Warfare, but I think it's so much better. So it's got a lot of stealthing around sniping people, uh-huh. but then also some like intense like running through burning buildings and then trying to assassinate a guy at the end with your sniper. That is what I remember most in World at War, especially because it's like, oh, cool, it's it's like the all gillied up mission, but this is better, and I don't know why people don't talk about that one more. <laughs> then I'll just add, in general, Victor Reznov is a really cool character throughout the yeah. World at War campaign, uh-huh. which will lead to my next point, but uh-huh. you go next. Well, it might be similar to my next point, because I was okay. thinking of that as well. Uh, okay. And his connection to um, Black Ops. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's a very big twist at the end of Black Ops. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> it, it was one that I did not see coming. <laughs> I all. wish I wish I hadn't known. Mark told me. Mark oh. told me before I played it. Oh, snap. Oof. So angry. But after having, I guess gotten used to having Reznov around, especially through um, World at War, because mm-hmm. you fight with him quite a bit during World at War. And then you are supposedly fighting with him during Black Ops. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out at the end, um, he wasn't really there. <laughs> I know. Oh, So t- here's a quick spoiler rush for if you guys don't know the story here. And this is just all from my memory of like 10 years ago. You start out the game like in this prison. Reznov is there and he helps you escape the prison. And throughout the whole game, he's kind of helping you through all the missions. And you ultimately like kill this guy. But actually, well, no, (laughs) Reznov kills this guy. Mm -hmm. And then you later find out that he died in the prison break. Mm -hmm. And while you were in prison, he like brainwashed you into be a sleeper agent. And so this whole time, you've got a dual personality of being yourself and Reznov. And it shows, it does all these flashbacks over again where Reznov actually wasn't there. It was you doing it. Turns out you're Tyler Durden the whole time. It's just like, mind blown. How did a Call of Duty game make this cool, almost like sci-fi sleeper agent fight club story? And it's so good. That's exactly what it was. It was good. <laughs> we were, we were going to talk about the same point there. Like we, that just shows you how good it was. We were both thinking about it. <laughs> oh, but you you fought with Reznov throughout World at War, and 
it's like, oh, you already have this like emotional connection to him. So that's mm-hmm. what makes this land a lot harder. <laughs> and it's just so wonderfully unprecedented. And I don't know if any other games have done this since, but Call of Duty has always just been about the story is just like, stop the bad guy. Mm-hmm. We're at war. Stop him. And, and the fact that this had like so much more to the story, mm-hmm. like this is just a good story. And I would not say that for any other Call of Duty games. All the others are just like, oh, yeah, it's a cool action set piece. That's mm-hmm. it. But yeah. this had something legit. Yeah, totally. It was, uh, it, it was good. That's for sure. I, I, I agree definitely there. Nice. All right. So next bit I would have to say would be playing zombies in college and the memories oh, yeah. made there. Like, after you introduced it to me, I went out and got the game, I think. It was either that or I had a copy and my friend had a copy, so we just played together. But we were, um, my, my roommates and I, we would get together after classes. Um, we would just play zombies. Uh, and it would be online sometimes, and um, it, we would just play for hours. Sometimes a little too late into the night, because, you know, at college, who stays up all night? Come on. <laughs> No, I understand. <laughs> it was it was a very good game to play with your friends. Mm-hmm. Like it just, I've got very similar memories. I would attribute that game to, I guess maybe some of the good friends that I have today. Yeah. So, just fun stuff. I sucked, but it was still fun. <laughs> some of my friends were great. They knew what they were doing. They they had all this stuff down pat. They knew all the secrets, all the areas. Even at the time before they were patched glitches yeah there were glitches there, there were some glitches get, <laughs> get under the level and zombies and not die and yep basically things like that i would be the one running around like looking at different stuff like oh that's so cool look out in the distance is that a whatever <laughs> not really paying attention nope i i like to just look at the graphics and try to explore it was more fun to me than shooting <laughs> i do remember we once triggered a glitch on accident where like i died on these on the staircase and the zombies just would not run past my body. So my teammates were able to just like camp at the top of the stairs while the zombies just piled up on my body. And they, <laughs> it just went on indefinitely. Are you sure that wasn't some perk that you... <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> Holy cow. Now, now on that level, you could get the, the laser gun, right? In five? Well, I think... And pretty much any one where it has a loot box, you can get the laser gun. Okay. I think I remember getting the laser gun at one point when I was playing with you. That thing was awesome. Yeah, they put some weird guns in there. Very weird guns. <laughs> anyway, Jake, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. That is a, a brief snippet of the 12 possible 360 games on, of Call of Duty that we could have talked about. Uh, these were definitely the highlights for us. Jake, real quick, which one? What's your number one Call of Duty game? Number one Call of Duty game is World at War, right there. Mm. That's my second. Black Ops is my number one. Nice. I'd put Black Ops at second. That's pretty close. Okay. So that is it. Thank you so much for listening. You are very cool people, and we like you. We appreciate you listening, especially you. Yeah you right there hearing this right now thank you anyway jake any any final remarks 
I think I'm going to go play some Call of Duty. All right. Which one are you going to play today? I'm going to play World War II. Okay. Well, my name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. And go do your duty to have an awesome nerdy week. Minasan, on the Sounds like someone breaking in. Just a storm, Dick. Sit down. Oh my god! What's up with this around here? 